You're listening to the Digital Void Podcast, where we explore digital culture, media, technology, and memes, featuring critical and empowering conversations with experts at the forefront of our digital moment. My name is Josh Chapteling, and my co-host is Dr. Jamie Cohen. How does an activist Instagram account help bring attention and change to New Orleans streets? On this week's episode, we welcome Digital Void collaborator, PhD student, and researcher Alex Turvey to discuss Look at This Fucking Street, an Instagram account that highlights hazardous roads, potholes, and crumbling infrastructure to put pressure on city government to improve long-ignored conditions. We're thrilled to be back producing the Digital Void podcast following a long break. But before we dive into this week's conversation with Alex, I want to remind you to follow the Digital Void podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with our live events and special projects by subscribing to our Substack and follow along with this week's episode and its many references in the show notes and description section of your podcast. Here, you can find photos and links of everything referenced in this episode. Here's this week's conversation with Alex Turvey. Alex, it is such a pleasure to welcome a new Digital Void collaborator to this podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Yeah, absolutely. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, we are especially thrilled to have you as one of the first guests back from our hiatus to talk to you about a paper you recently wrote that is of critical importance. And I really want to highlight the wonderful bottom-up civilian-based participatory activist effort that you researched as pertaining to your hometown in particular. So I don't want to give away too much of the story at the beginning, Yeah, but can you walk us through where you're from and the context surrounding this issue? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm talking to you from New Orleans, um, which if you've never been is really a place of its own. Um, And I think we'll kind of get into how this paper connects to what makes New Orleans so unique in a few ways. But sort of the the context that this paper is written from is conditions in New Orleans lately are interesting. Our infrastructure is certainly crumbling. We have a number of political issues happening, everything from a mayor recall to ongoing consent decree with the police department to basically every city service failing in really novel ways that you never could predict. Um, Just as one example, we were asked to take our own trash to the dump right after Hurricane Ida for about a month. Really, things are like you wouldn't expect if you didn't live here. We also have this longstanding issue of our street infrastructure is like you wouldn't believe. I mean, you turn down a street and you're shocked, right, at, at, at how things look. And so in that context enters this really unusual and funny, and we'll get into the details of, of what makes it so funny, Instagram account called Look at This Fucking Street. And the name basically comes from what you say when you turn down a road, like, God, look at this fucking street. This is unbelievable. Um, So that's where this paper sort of enters. Yeah, you kind of outline the economic and infrastructural conditions of New Orleans. And how does Look at This Fucking Street help to address this? Sure. So I think in a a well-functioning city, you would have a really effective 311 system, right? That when you have a huge pothole or um, a downed power line or a huge massive flood or leak on your street, you would call it in. You know, a couple hours later, someone would come out and check it out and it would get repaired and that would be that. Now, we have 311 here, of course, but 
there's a reason this page emerged, and that's that the real systems don't seem to work, right? People don't have trust in them. I think beyond the context of everything I shared, there's just this huge lack of trust in city government working well. And so there's just like, there's this weird cynical attitude that's like at the same time pessimistic, but also like with a smirk where like, you know, the fact that you're from here means you can make fun of it and you can sort of look sideways at it and just you people say, oh, New Orleans, right? Like this is what we expect. Um, so that's sort of this account enters and it started out as this really tiny thing. Nine times out of 10, the project goes nowhere. This one took off. And so what happens is he started off with some really egregious examples of his own where he would post pictures of like, hopefully we can share some some photos alongside this because um, I think it really sort of adds to the context. He would post photos of like these massive potholes, right, that like are filled with water and sand and like people um, have thrown stuff in them to make it so that you can't drive through them because your car will bottom out. And so sort of over time, it became this crowdsourced thing that grew really, really rapidly. So people every day, this guy gets hundreds, literally, of submissions throughout the city. Now, some of them are are duplicates, of course, but it's a remarkable amount of unique submissions. And so for as part of this paper, you know, it was actually really fortunate that through a personal relationship, I have access to the accounts manager who runs it anonymously. And so I got access to literally the entire data dump of the account, which amounts to like, I want to say 14 or 15 gigs of data. And you would be shocked at the number of submissions that he gets daily that he sorts through. It's to the point where, you know, the grid posts that he puts up are like the most wild ones, but he'll post, you know, 10, 12 stories a day also of unique things that he gets tagged in. So it's turned into this like very, very active participatory crowdsource project that I would say serves as a sort of shadow 311. It steps in where 311 has failed in a really funny and sort of irreverent way. I think it's timely, too, because we're we're having a big discussion in the United States about infrastructure and it's obvious failing. And I mean, not uh, East Palestine, notwithstanding, I'm talking about just in general, everything is just falling apart. I think our last update was during the uh, the New Deal. So it's like everything is just aged out. And I think it's embarrassing for the, the United States to know what's happening. But I think it's also like people in other countries aren't really aware of it. And they're they're aware of the, the, the disastrous democracy problems we're having. But I don't think they're aware of what it looks like, especially in a, like a tourist area like New Orleans, which focuses mostly on like the French Quarter, but obviously it's a bigger city than that. What I think is funny about the, the, the page is the, the absolute reach of it. I want to talk to you about the fact that it's got almost 100,000 followers. And in terms of like meme pages, it's up there competing against like major submission sites and, and OG content type of material. Like, is that a stressor? Does that affect the, how the content is created or is that an empowering thing for the creator? Yeah, that's that's such a great question. Yeah, the reach is wild. The page, I think, last time I looked, had just shy of 100,000 followers, which I think you just said. It's literally bigger than like the governor's Instagram page of Louisiana, right? It's massive, sort of branching out from what you just said. The other thing that's wild about it is that, yes, like it started out as one of these niche meme pages that like, if you're listening to this, you're probably familiar with. Um, usually these like plateau around five or 10,000 followers. You know, maybe the account gets banned and they make a new version and people move on, right? This thing has like ballooned and continues to grow. Like the growth has not stopped. The other wild thing about it is that behind the scenes, like not only is it like 
this sort of unofficial 311 thing, it actually has served like a real role inside the city government where like we have talked to people who work in Department of Public Works, our sewage and water board, et cetera. They're literally sharing these posts within their department as sort of a weird ticketing system where like, oh, did you see this? Did you see that? Et cetera. And not only that, they're engaging directly with the account manager through DMs. In a lot of the posts, he'll tag, you know, Department of Public Works, Sewage and Water Board, et cetera. And they'll respond and say, thanks for flagging this. Like, here's what our next steps are. Or like, oh, shoot, it looks like our subcontractor didn't clean up the job site last night. We're sending someone this morning. They'll sometimes respond publicly, too, which I talk about in the paper. And I think like some of the the conversation in the comments when people respond to these official city channels is really sort of an interesting illustration. And the last thing I'll say on this question is you mentioned infrastructure federally. This page, right around when the, the infrastructure bill was being passed by the Biden administration, the White House Office of Digital Strategy literally did reach out and took a meeting with this account manager as part of like a discussion about whether they wanted to collaborate publicly. It stalled only because, you know, the account manager refused to change the account name. And that was an important part of it. And they said, okay, well, we can't like collaborate. It says fucking in the title, like we can't quite do that. But literally, you know, they collaborated in a very, or wanted to collaborate in a very direct way. Yeah, that's, that is incredible. The um, one thing in terms of like holding people accountable is that I think this works pretty well in terms of governmental pressure because of the name and the title of the account. And before we get into like the 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 way you did the paper and like d developed your methodology, uh, I just want to like talk about the idea that people, community members, are using this as a resource in terms of activism. This is more like a, seeing it, but I think its popularity becomes a problem for people. And I love the way that when all right, I guess this way to pivot to the paper a bit, you you had to code some of these pages, you had to code these uh, these posts because. There's so many variations of things to look at on this fucking street that they're not all the same, but they're all within the same genre because of the geographical location. So it's more of a geography or a site-specific meme account. But then there's this, I'm just looking at this one photo here. Uh, it's breaking, puddle or pothole, gone wrong at agriculture infringement. And it's literally a huge pickup truck canted into a hole. And the, the comments on this are hilarious because you have people who know this person and then you have people who... Are, are amazed at it's the, the actual possibility of it. I can't even imagine this uh, as a as physics, ha how this even happened. And this is one of those things where, again, like in the United States, we don't really focus on like these as like a tourism page, but it does remind me a bit of that old Welcome to Cleveland viral video from years back where it was just like, they wanted to say nice things about it, but it's really difficult to do so. The variety of account, of posts here, are they, these are mostly submission-based, I'm guessing. Almost entirely, yeah. Is this a community center as a page itself. It feels like that to me. I think that's at 100,000-ish followers, the majority or close to the majority of which live in New Orleans proper. Um, you have, yes, a community center that is run by this anonymous, unelected person who like very, in a very real way, shapes discourse in New Orleans. He's made, you know, merchandise over the years. So there's like shirts that say pothole watchdog. And like, I'm at the dog park. Literally this morning, I saw somebody wearing it. I was like, oh, you follow the page. Like, that's so cool. Me too, whatever. But like in a city of, I don't know, roughly 400,000, 100,000 followers is massive. So yeah, I'd say it's absolutely some sort of community center. And the anonymity of it is really it seems like maybe it's part of the power. It would certainly feel different if if we knew who was running it or if people knew who was running it. Yeah, and anonymity is definitely one of the big features of this page. 
But one of your objectives for this paper was to learn how Look at This Fucking Street served as a practical tool for people to challenge power relations between citizens and city agencies. Can you maybe walk us through some of your findings in terms of successes and failures? Yeah, of course. Um, so just really briefly, Jamie touched on sort of the how I did this, the methods. And so I used a, a methodology called critical discourse analysis, which basically sort of takes a big picture and says, you know, discourse isn't just about the words written, right? It's also about the images and it's about the videos. It, we take a big picture and say, like, how does all of this work together to challenge power? In this case, I'd say power is like both very specific. It's like the specific figures, like our mayor, we saw lots of, you'll see in a second, but we saw lots of criticism of the mayor. But it's also just sort of a general outlet for criticizing municipal government and like indicating lack of trust, right? So that's what critical discourse analysis does. And the way that I looked through the paper was to say, like, I'm going to take two weeks of posts. And and I went through multiple times and just started tagging them with like words like this seems to be sarcastic. This seems to be very factual. This seems to explain something. And I would go through and, and tag them with words. And I, I made a couple passes through them to start looking for patterns and trends and things like that. And I didn't look for this for this coding and this analysis, I didn't do anything with the direct messages just for like privacy reasons. Um, I only looked at the public stuff. I looked at the the grid posts, the comments, the location tags, the songs, the visuals, all that stuff, right? Um, and I started to see some trends emerge and I found three big picture trends in this data, basically three ways these discourses speak to power. And those three ways were shaming, mocking and exposing. And within those, I found a variety of techniques that we can get into if you want. But those are the big three buckets that things fell into. And like, when you look at these posts, you'll see that like, in some cases, multiple of these are operating in one post, or like maybe the post will be intended to expose like some very specific factual stuff. But in the comments, you see tons of mocking or shaming, right? So you see these all sort of work together in a really like tangled up overlapping way. Um, to create the overall effect of like just n not only laughing, but undermining trust and like criticizing government in a really effective way. Yeah. So you you describe how shaming plays a key role in the success of this account, as you just mentioned. Can you explain how shaming is an effective tool? Because it's quite a contentious thing to to promote as a as a method of success when modern discourse around shaming is oftentimes viewed as incredibly negative. Well, I think there's two things that help there. I think like one, the page is punching up, right? Like you're shaming people with more power than the people posting. So I think that's the one thing. The second thing is we haven't really touched on this a ton, but like the humor of the page really helps. So it's like shaming a lot of times through jokes and laughing, right? The tone of it is very like it's cynical, but it's also people are laughing a lot. You know, you'll see a lot of the comments are literally just like emojis laughing or haha -ha or whatever, right? So there's all these techniques that people that, that are used, like things within shaming, like people shame through sarcasms. So that's like, obviously, there's an element of humor there. But there's some other stuff that operates. Like sometimes people are shaming through like criticizing the city in like a really angry way or a bitter way or a really indignant way. But it all has the undertone of humor and it all has the undertone of like punching up and it's in this context of like all of us together as sort of like a citizen base are like in the same boat and the boat sucks <laughs> um, because like it's destroying our cars and it's happening in the context of like we don't trust the police department. We don't trust our power company, all this stuff. Right. 
So I think like shaming is terrible. Like if it's hurting people with less power than you, it's really effective and fun if you're punching up that people that like hold power over you. Yeah. And I'm guessing you're paying taxes, right? Like this is. <laughs> yeah, quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's the part we didn't mention, right? It's like, yeah, I mean, we're paying a lot for infrastructure, right? And God, if you took five minutes to drive around New Orleans, you'd see exactly what I mean. We're getting we're getting less than nothing. You know, no, I don't need to take it right because I can see it on the account. There's <laughs> yeah, you can see it. Yes, of course. There's one post that um, showed the tram dragging, I think, a tarp all the way down down the street. That's right. Although if people in New Orleans listen to this, I have to tell you it's a streetcar. They'd be very upset to hear tram. It's a real trigger oh, for sorry, people. Street no, car. it's fine. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I've been on that one too. And so I, I probably got in trouble for referring it to it that way. It's funny. That actually was a really <laughs> funny example because it ties two things together. And I think to the power of, I'll, I'll explain in a second, but like to the power of this being like a niche, really local meme page, like you see that and it's just a tarp, right? But in New Orleans, we see that and it actually ties to another problem, which is like during Mardi Gras, there's this like trend that everybody hates where people lay out all their stuff and like save spots, which is against the ethos of Mardi Gras, yada, yada, yada. And it's on the city to sort of enforce the policy that says you can't put stuff out more than I think like three or four hours before a parade. The city doesn't effectively do that, which makes people angry. And now the streetcar has hit one of these tarps and is pulling it down this, you know, down the tracks. So someone from New Orleans who sees that, it represents like three different failures at once. Um, uh, that's So that, before I funny. go to my, my question about that, that actually represents more of like a, a site-specific meme then because it has yeah, referential, exactly. like site-specific referentials that require reading at two different places. To me, like I said, I, I, mean, I you know, I see it as how I would recognize it as like a uh, short transit vehicle dragging yeah. something yeah. that like would, you know, I've seen those scenes before, mostly like in, in Italy, like where Italy is known for its inability to keep up with uh, public works because there's like constant strikes, you know, it's just because of yep. the, the class systems that happen in many parts of Europe. But to see that in this, this space is quite interesting because I, you know, it's like most people's experience of New Orleans is uh, behavior within like a three block radius, you know? So it's like, exactly. So then we get to see the city itself. It, it actually becomes kind of funny. And there's this one post I'm looking at, which is, this is, this is what amazes me about this account and why it's important to code these, these images in a specific way. And how do you explain this? Because there's one where there's a, an image of a red light and the, the walking man symbol, the, the white walking man symbol is mounted upside down. Yeah, yeah. And that means, but that means there was an official <laughs> improper mounting. That means there, there. if you were to read this image, you're watching yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not just infrastructure failing, but it's actually improper maintenance by administration. So you can actually like, it's a witness to it. this. Yeah. And there's a comment in there that says, is New Orleans, New Orleans even real or is this a fever dream at this point? <laughs> I think that's, that's just a way of saying, yeah. saying it. Like, how do you, how is this explainable in terms of, so starting from the beginning, which is like, you're paying taxes <laughs> yeah, yeah, for yeah. infrastructure. And people are, this isn't just about failure. It's about inability to keep and maintain. Yeah. And I think you can go down another sort of direction here and say, like, this is a real example of, like, the failure of neoliberal approaches to city government, right? Because what's probably happened there, I don't know the specific, is, like, it's a, a subcontractor of a subcontractor that did it. They want to check the box that the job is done. They move on. The city has no way at all of checking to make sure the job was done right. And that's that, you know? So I think, yeah, that's absolutely a really interesting angle I hadn't thought of that like, yeah, when you have something like that, somebody had to somewhere like have some official <laughs> approach to doing it. But I think the other 
the funny other angle that maybe you saw in some of these posts is like the opposite side of that is some people end up with such lack of faith in their approach to doing this that like they'll just fix a pothole themselves, you know, like they'll literally fill it with trash <laughs> or like Mardi Gras beads or whatever. They'll put some sand on top. They'll call it a day or like they'll move um, the like city's prop, you know, like the signs and barrels and whatever, and literally just like block off their own street because they're like, nobody else is going to do it. Like there's a real ethos of like, we're fending for ourselves in a practical way. But then also maybe you saw some of these posts too, like there's developed this like culture of costume contests on the page around people decorate their potholes and like make costume contests around it. And then there's a whole separate thing where like people dress up for Halloween and Mardi Gras in reference to the page, which is really funny. But like, there's, there's two sides of that coin. There's the like very practical look, you know, our street, nobody can drive down our street. We got to block this off until it's finished, you know, or like the funny people putting skeletons in, in sewage and waterboard costumes sitting in a pothole as sort of a, a eye rolling wink at how long it's taken. The funny part of what we just said there with the uh, filling mill potholes in is that I, in, in, I remember in New York City, I lived in Astoria in Queens, which is just off of like, it's like 10 minutes away from the city, but it's like kind of like the the bedroom part of the, the city, which is lower cost or used to be. Depending on what region you're in in the city, streets would start falling apart. Yeah. And there was a story about three, four years back where somebody decided to take it into their own right. responsibility and start filling in the potholes. And they got ticketed and the city came and unfilled the potholes yeah. <laughs> to, to do that. So does public works, is do, do you see any reaction that comes from these posts? Like, oh, is it, depending on where you were in the city, in, in New York City, the 311 would give you anywhere between three hours and like three <laughs> weeks. And you actually see something, whether it's effective or not, doesn't mean anything. But does any of these things... Have have you witnessed anything where you see an effect as a result of some of these posts? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, you'll see things. I wish there was a way to, or like, I guess maybe if, if I had a, a, a bit more time methodologically, I could actually track this and go one-to-one, -one. but there's been plenty of examples just anecdotally of like something has been, I, I think of there's this one business called the OK Bar. They had like a huge, they came to work one morning and like the city had totally destroyed their corner to do a huge project. And they were like, oh my God, like this is going to destroy our business for X number of months, et cetera. The page got like really involved and like posted multiple updates. The project got done within like, I want to say 36 hours, right? Because there was tons of attention, you know, small business is very sympathetic, of course, like things like that happen. But then also just like more anecdotally, you'll see things like people in the comments will be like, this thing has been a problem for, you know, nine months. It got posted. And then 36 hours later, look, DPW is here, whatever. But then also I think it's like inspired this funny ethos of just taking it into your own hands that probably also has effects. Like I just thought of this as we were talking, but my neighbor literally told me yesterday about how there was an abandoned car outside of his house for like the better part of, I think, seven months. He had reported to the city, reported to the city, whatever. He finally realized the door was open he put it into neutral and pushed it into one of the major streets nearby. And he was like, look, if they won't deal with the problem, they're going to have to deal with the problem because it's going to stop traffic. Car was towed like within 90 minutes, you know? So I think like it sort of inspired this broad sense of like, look, these official channels do not work. We can like name and shame in like the newspaper all we want. That's not working. Let's just take it into our own hands and like force the issue and things will have to happen. You know, like it's very much like a whack-a-mole approach to dealing with this stuff from the city. It's also a direct action 
that is not dangerous, so to speak. It's not, it's not uplifting arms or anything like that. It's actually just doing a direct action to make a result. I think like you hear people talk so much about how like social media is vapid and like, you know, the internet's not real life, et cetera. And they'll talk about, oh, your life online versus your real life, et cetera. For me, this is like a very practical and positive example of like how those things cross over. Um, and you see like very, very tangible results from something that is like so born of the internet. Like this page is just really speaks the right language. Like the, it knows the vernacular of meme pages, like the person who runs it. If we did a bio of him, like you would get it. Like he has done a million things like this. His experience has set him up perfectly to like speak the right language, hit the right notes, et cetera. But like it uses this very native internet vernacular to make real world change. It's using internet vernacular, the correct grammar of meme pages. It leverages a huge skill set and tool set to manifest real world change, physical world change to help material conditions on the ground. Do you view this effort as something unique to New Orleans or do you view it as a replicable model for folks in other cities and territories to emulate? Well, I mean, it, you, I did a little bit of this in the paper. I tried to take a view of like, where has this happened? Like the biggest example I could find is like this page in Puerto Rico that it's not like vigilante, but it's very much like uh, look after yourselves, you know, block off your own street, fill your own pothole, whatever name and shame. But it doesn't have the humor end of it at all. It's very much just nuts and bolts. There's a couple cities, like I think Montreal has this page, fuck no Montreal, that like has sort of a broader manifest. Um, it talks about like trash and this and that. But like I haven't, I can't find an example of anything quite like this. Um, and I think I did a pretty thorough search. Now, the thing that makes this so effective is that it's like so localized. Every city could do a version of that, right? Like there are people in every city that know not just the internet vernacular, but like the local stuff, like the things that people care about deeply. Like the thing I mentioned about Mardi Gras is one. The thing I didn't mention yet, but like you touched on Jamie, was like the experience that tourists have at the French Quarter versus the actual day-to-day -day experience of most people in the city. The tensions inherent to that, the bitterness about how the city prioritizes tourism over the day-to-day -day experience, like that's very much a local concern. The, the particular sort of valence of the transplant versus native discourse here is it's hard to even explain if you're not enmeshed in it, but like that's very much a part of what's going on here. I think every city has stuff like that, right? It would take that sort of person running it. The other issue is like, yeah, it's one person, right? Um, so if you talk about a replicable model, like this person has just had a baby and life has gotten busier. We were joking about like, do you get paternity leave from look at this fucking street? Unfortunately, no, because you can't... Who would you get to fill in besides me? I just had a baby too. Like there's not many people in the city that could do this well. There's probably a couple, but that's the thing that's funny about it is like you have this unelected single person who's like really shaping discourse in a city. It's not what you want. It's not an ideal model, but it's what we've got that's working right now here. And for people looking to take on this type of activist work, are there any risk mitigation strategies that you can offer to folks who want to prioritize anonymity for folks? How can you build and engender trust in a community like this? Huh, that's a good question. I think he always asks permission before reposting people's stuff. So I think that's one sort of way that, that trust is built. I think it's also like, Again, sort of being a native of the this this side of the internet recognizes like you're you're speaking speaking the language of these like niche meme pages in a way that is believable and trust building. 
But also I think like engaging via the DMs takes a lot of time. <laughs> I don't even know how much time he spends a day on this, but it's quite a bit. Um, I bet his screen time is a mess. I think there's some level of trust that's built there by the way he engages. Like it's a little funny and irreverent, but it's respectful. But I think the other thing that I didn't mention that it, it sort of engenders trust and like lets the city engage in good faith is like it's punching up. But I think he's also learned a lot over time about how these projects work. He no longer posts like things that are in progress that look messy because he like recognizes, look, they're they're doing work here. Or if like somebody makes a comment that gets some of the facts wrong, he'll like say he has some sort of domain specific knowledge about like, no, actually, like that's the responsibility of X, Y and Z. Like they're doing this. So I think it, it, it it's punching up at the city, but in like a very fair way that recognizes like credit where it's due. Now, it's funny because like sometimes Department of Public Works will DM him a picture of a street and he's like, you want me to post this? Like it's going to get roasted. Like it's half done. It looks terrible. It's clearly a bad patch job. Like no. So like they don't quite get it sometimes. It's really funny. But like he does a good job of giving credit where it's due. And I think that allows the city to like unofficially, officially engage, you know, like at a distance. So there's this question of labor that's in this too, and it's multi-level, which is the labor of the moderator of the account versus the labor that's going or not going into the work or the labor that's going into work and not being effective by any means. Like for in many cases, this account points out the endless cycle of fixing or never never finishing a project. Uh, in most public works processes, it's never uh, a redo. It's always like a Band-Aid. It's almost in terms of that, which is like this constant idea of like labor doesn't stop. So it's, this account has to act in a way to to behave in that manner too. And it's, and and what people don't take into account with digital work, which is you've probably recognized your entire career, is that people think it's A, free, and, and B, easy. <laughs> and so or all it fun, is, right? All like fun, yeah, right. And this is this is obvious work because it is creating an effect. And you were saying you have access to like many of the metrics. Are you seeing this getting shared outside the region? Is this becoming popular to to people like when they're shared to their own stories outside of the space? Yeah. It's a surprising amount of people from outside of Louisiana that follow this page. And I I would love to understand that better, but it's like Close to 40% of the people, so close to 40,000 people outside of New Orleans follow this page. And I don't have a good answer for why that is. <laughs> I really don't. Well, it's. I think you're, the answer is just the fact that it, it plays with the um, idea of mimetic languages. I mean, it really plays with the idea of how to read a meme or how to read a page. And I think at this current moment, this is fitting into the current vernacular of mimetics uh, that are going on. I think we're, TikTok itself has broken down the the format even further. And now we have like really good, cynical, sarcastic uh, pages like MCM Wholesale, which is a hyper-specific Portland page. And like you have these very site-specific pages that have its own language that are speaking to their community, but it's hilarious enough that other people can pick it up. So I think it's, I think it has a lot to do with the grammar. Yeah, there's, I think there's, you're, you're probably right to say there's a sweet spot where it's like just generalizable enough also. Like, I think probably every city has their own version of infrastructure failure and like, it's funny for people, right? But like MCM Wholesale, I think is a good example too, where like I've been to Portland once, I can still laugh at that page. There's some hyper-local meme pages here that I would share posts with you and you would it would be blank face. Like, what is this? What's going on here? So I think it stretches, it hits the right balance of understandable for a 50-year-old from Illinois for whatever reason, you know, that it's funny. 
And that's the other thing I think also is the age range. You see, I mean, most people are between 25 and 44. That's how like Instagram has their little age bands that they they give you metrics on. But there's a sizable amount of people that are sort of boomer age. Um, and it's, I mean, this is a whole can of worms. But like, if you look at DMs across age ranges, you know, I'll, he'll send me screenshots sometimes and be like, what is going on here? You know, like paging here, like, what do they want me to do? Like, they want me to repost this joke. Like, that's not funny in any way. But like, you know, I think that goes back to the like speaking the right vernacular to have credibility. Well, that's excellent. I think uh, we're coming up on time here, but I I just wanted to say, I think this is important for this type of scholarship to be in the out out there. I think this is like really good coding of of mimetic work or at least a, a platform specific work, because I think like you mentioned digital dualism before, but and Josh and I have been pushing back against that for as long as we've known each other. Uh, it's important for people to recognize that it, it, where the borderlands encompasses all the space from it, we're, we're sitting in both these spaces at once. There's just a visual output of it. But I think the more we get good scholars coding this material and at least uh, talking about it in a, in a scholarly way, other people can pick this up and actually use that type of work to, to make their accounts be more legible as activist based projects, things that uplift uh, activism that has ha- occurred during larger public movements. Like this is, a, it's a really good that this is being covered. I'm sure it takes a lot of work to write a paper like this. So I'm, I'm glad that you're working on it. Thanks, Jamie. And thank you so much for your time, Alex. Where can people keep up with you and your incredibly important work? Sure. I'm on Twitter as Soch of Internet. So S-O-C underscore of underscore Internet. And maybe you can tag that. That's probably the easiest way. I'm on Instagram as at Alex Turvey, but there's not much scholarly stuff there. It's just a whole lot of uh, my baby and dog, as Jamie could tell you. (laughs) Well, Alex, thank you so much for your time today. And we look forward to staying in touch. All right. Thanks so much, y'all. Thank you again to Alex Turvey for taking the time to join us this week. You can keep up with Alex and learn more about everything discussed in today's episode by visiting the show description on your favorite podcast provider. Next week, we welcome back AI games designer, Reed Berkowitz. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you soon.